Hey everyone, this is Savannah and welcome to my podcast, Around the Bush. I'm going to start by sharing a couple stories with you, courtesy of Jennifer Block's book, Everything Below the Waste. A woman returns to a clinic in Paso Robles, California, to have an IUD removed because it made her a depressed walking zombie. Her clinician refused and ordered her to wait for six months and then asked, what happens when you have an abortion? The woman demanded that the IUD be removed, and the clinician rolled her eyes, took out the device, and wordlessly walked out of the room. A woman having her second child in New Jersey goes into labor and is almost fully dilated. As she was on her hands and knees with her midwife about to push, the obstetrician walks in and asks the woman about her previous pregnancy. She replied, it was vaginal. The obstetrician then told her that she would need a C-section this time. When the woman started asking questions, the doctor threatened to call his lawyers if she did not sign a consent form for surgery. You've probably heard other stories like this. Woman seeks medical treatment. Woman is ignored. Woman has to fight. The relationship between OBGYNs and their patients is vital in maintaining the intimate needs of reproductive health, but the quality of reproductive health care has not improved since the 1970s. Additionally, we still exist in a world conflated by racism where black women are more likely to die of heart disease, breast cancer, and pregnancy. Black explains that a salient factor of this discrepancy quote, is the stress caused by the daily wear and tear of being a woman of color in the 21st century, unquote. The disparities hold true for men of color as well. The structures that govern reproductive health are in desperate need of revolution. Women use the healthcare system more often than men and do twice as much emotional labor when it comes to having control over their own biological imperative of reproducing. Reproductive health encompasses everything from having sex to having children to having symptoms of postpartum mood disorders to receiving hormones to to transition and more. If one piece of legislation could change the status of women's health in the United States, it would ensure that all types of reproductive health care, including but not limited to STD testing, STI testing, contraceptives, cancer screenings, preterm birth screenings, pap smears, OBGYN appointments, maternity and postpartum care, domestic and sexual violence screenings and counseling, hormone therapy, and abortions are zero costs for anyone seeking it. You're probably thinking, all right, Sav, how is this possible? Who's going to pay for it? How do we implement that when Trump is in office? And listen, I'm not a financial expert. Those are all valid questions, but how do the presidential candidates feel we should fix these problems? I guess that we should start with Joe Biden. Where does he stand on the cost of healthcare? What sorts of plans does he have to ensure that federal funds are used to bring down cost of reproductive healthcare? Biden's plan is to create a public option like Medicare that negotiates the cost of healthcare with hospitals and other healthcare service providers. Biden is a proponent for repealing the Hyde Amendment, which prevents federal funding of abortion services. Biden's plan for reproductive health care means that contraceptives will be free and that trap laws will be undone. But what about the various other services that women use, like maternity care, cancer screenings, abortion, sex education, etc.? Why can't those things be free too, or at least more affordable? If Biden's plans for reproductive health care look relatively comprehensive, you can imagine that Trump's look the complete opposite. 
The Trump administration has taken various actions to decrease access and the affordability of birth control by forcing doctors to withhold information about a patient's reproductive health care options, and they've vowed to defund and close Planned Parenthood locations by restricting Title X funding. These options are obviously not conducive of my suggested policy of free reproductive health services, so I'm not going to get into the feasibility of it being passed in the Trump era, which leaves us at square one. If we don't get free reproductive health care through a presidential candidate, what can we do to ensure that it is affordable in the future? Don't worry, y'all. I've got a plan. To ensure the affordability of reproductive health care, I suggest that the United States adopts a concept of universal coverage that offers comprehensive and unrestricted patient access to reproductive health care, where patients are protected from violations of privacy, autonomy, and discrimination by implementing the framework of reproductive justice in comprehensive legislation. To implement these policies, I'm pulling information from the Guttmacher Institute and the Kaiser Family Foundation that suggests reproductive health care can be transformed and revolutionized to ensure cost-free reproductive services for everybody. First, though, I have to explain what a framework for reproductive justice looks like and how we can use it to create comprehensive legislation to address everyone's reproductive health care needs. According to Loretta Ross and Ricky Sollinger's analysis, Reproductive Justice and Introduction, reproductive justice is a framework with three primary values. One, the right not to have a child. Two, the right to have a child. And three, the right to parent children in a safe and healthy environment. In addition, reproductive justice demands sexual autonomy and gender freedom for every human being. Ross and Sollinger examine the facets of history that contribute to the oppression of women and the laws in the United States that continue to oppress women, most especially women of color. It is here where the authors reveal, quote, Reproductive justice is the application of the concept of intersectionality to reproductive politics in order to achieve human rights, unquote. Even in the pro-choice movement itself, there is a focus on choice, where white women can choose to get an abortion, but where women of color make decisions that are hardly choices, rather the lesser of two evils. Ross wrote, quote, Having or not having access to proper resources, including family and community supports, fundamentally shapes the meaning of choice, unquote, revealing that reproductive justice is not simply about being pro-choice. It is about enabling conditions so that people can get health care by, by prioritizing the safety and stability of human rights. Universal coverage of reproductive health services would provide free services to those who are continuously marginalized and discriminated against because of their reproductive status and varying intersections, such as race or disability. The reproductive justice framework recognizes that people with varying lived experiences have suffered reproductive abuses and that the law inadequately protects communities of color by utilizing an individual rights-based framework rather than an intersectional-based framework. You might be thinking, Sav, you're still not listening. How are we going to pay for all of this? Well, we could pay for free health care in a lot of different ways. Since Medicaid accounted for 75% of all public funds spent on contraceptive services, it is the primary source of funding for family planning. One way to pay for comprehensive reproductive health care is for states to expand Medicaid and to extend coverage to uninsured women. In this situation, contraceptive services would be made available for free under Medicaid. This seems impossible, though, right? Actually, according to Gutmacher, 
Every additional dollar invested in contraceptive services saves a dollar and 47 cents in pregnancy-related and newborn health care. Ensuring free access to contraceptives is not only cost-effective, it benefits whole communities because women will be able to choose the number and the timing of her pregnancies as unintended pregnancies are likely to decrease. Eliminating barriers to reproductive health care is the first step in ensuring accessibility of reproductive health care services. Respecting autonomy and an individual's privacy is another important concept in establishing comprehensive reproductive health care. Guaranteed confidentiality is an important characteristic of an effective healthcare system that is prepared to help patients navigate the realm of reproductive healthcare. Discrimination in the nation's healthcare system is irreparable without the adoption of reproductive justice and intersectionality. Blame, uh, sorry, banning discrimination against any group does not go far enough to protect us, as we need to actively morph the system into a more inclusive environment where people are not refused care based on intersections of identity. Efforts to reform the healthcare system means addressing the various societal barriers that marginalized communities face in terms of access to comprehensive reproductive health care and to challenge policies that allow this discrimination to continue. The most useful legislation that could be passed to change the status of women's health would be universal coverage of reproductive health care, where patient privacy, autonomy, and accessibility to reproductive health care services are protected as human rights. Adopting a framework of reproductive justice to tackle the healthcare industry implies that everyone can access free reproductive health care without discrimination based on identity categories. These policies are associated with benefits, such as a decrease in maternal, much, uh, maternal mortality rates, a decrease in unintended pregnancies, and an increase in contraceptive use. Adopting these policies is important in curbing institutionalized forms of discrimination against marginalized groups, especially women of color, where the priority lies with the patient's rights and protections. Reproductive justice is not just about being pro-choice, but about understanding that gaps exist in all types of reproductive health care because of systemic forms of oppression that intersect with forms of identity. Policies that frame reproductive health as a right are vital in improving the status of women and the quality of care that they receive. That's all from me, everyone. Subscribe to Around the Bush wherever you get your podcasts.